Hello and welcome to D Hall and Dragons, a real play D&D podcast about a group of high school students who get sucked into a world of fantasy and magic and have to set out on a quest to find their way home, but not before they find themselves along the way. My name is Riley Wesson. I'm this campaign's dungeon master, and I'm joined by my friends, my players, and um, my uh, kind of my therapists. Hey guys, uh, diving into that trauma last time, and yeah, here we are. I thought you were gonna make like a salsa joke. Yeah, well, I mean, I just I've made too many jokes about cooks recently, and so I was I figured I would try and go for something else and switch it up. Yeah, therapy felt like a good thing to joke about. Yeah, you got to spice it up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. Spice it up. I am uh, I am both underqualified and underpaid for this position. <laughs> Aren't we all? Well, hello, my name is Brandon Lindsay, and I play Cecil McNamara, and today's question, uh, what mythological creature uh, does your character resemble? Um, Cecil is, I mean, obviously he's very, like, of the forest, so I think maybe, like, an ent, like a treant would probably Mm. be a good uh, treant, because uh, uh, we don't want to, you know, insult the Tolkien estate. Um, Of course not. So, yeah, but Old Man Willow kind of vibes. If he could be Tom Bombadil, he would be, but yeah. Uh, my name is Daniel Grisco, and I play uh, Brian Tolkien. If Brian was a mythological creature, um, he would be a Gorgon. Ooh. Because everyone should just, you know, turn to stone the minute that he makes eye contact with them. And the fact that that <laughs> doesn't happen in real life really, really upsets Brian on a regular basis. He also gets I people rock hard. Can't always win. Oh, oh my God. Cause... I, I can't. Uh, we'll cut that joke. <laughs> well, hi, my name is Andy Dyke. No, we're not cutting that joke. I mean, you made it. We got to commit. Clay Tech, too. Hi, my name is Andy Dinehart. I'm the voice of Victoria Hightower. Um, I don't feel like 110% embodies Victoria, but I definitely feel like a good portion of her could be associated with a puka. Like the necklace? I thought that, too. No. <laughs> She just got like that kind of puka shell vibe, you know. <laughs> I grew up with the um, Spiderwick Chronicles, and the Puka was one of the characters in that. And the artwork for it was bomb AF, and I just always thought they were really creepy and cool. They look kind of monkey esque with bunny ears, and then they have a bunch of eyes, kind of like a spider. They're just cool. They're kind of shapeshifters sometimes. Sometimes they pose questions like a sphinx, and it's a little riddle esque. Mm. And again, they're kind of just elusive. You depending on their mood, kind of like a cat. Andy, be honest. Did you just like Google coolest mythological creature possible and just decide that that was Victoria? Oh nah, man, I just fucking love mythology. Uh, yeah, that's just the first one that came to mind. You were like, who is Victoria? I don't know. A badass. A cool little monkey with rabbit ears that riddles <laughs> yeah. people. I feel like Victoria would be like, <laughs> once upon a time, I was like, I'm a centaur or a mermaid. <laughs> but now it's like no I'm a little more advanced. and now it's like answer my riddles three yes. and maybe you shall pass <laughs> look yes, at my exactly. spider eyes yeah <laughs> and uh, my name is Riley Wesson I'm this campaign's dungeon master um, I'm thinking in the category of like me as a DM but I feel like a chimera uh, because Ooh. so much of my stuff is just kind of like a bunch of random ideas that are slapped together and just somehow kind of work so good and you know it's like sometimes there's a weird dumb pun in there that totally <laughs> lands and people love it or hate it Sometimes it's a um, it's an encounter that totally gets fucked over by my players. So <laughs> you take what you can get. 
as a chimera in life. The through line there, Riley, is that we just we just love to hate you. And that's really all it and comes down really, to. Really, I love that vibe. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's really just uh, I'm really drawn to it. And it's my curse in life. I love to be hated. We also hate how much we love you. It's it's, yeah, it's... Uh, overwhelming sometimes. I just hate all of you. So. <laughs> <laughs> Last session on D Hall and Dragons, the students fought their way out of a pit of drakes while scavenging the various thickets for the necessary ingredients to create the salsa that King Puck so desperately craved. After a nifty combo of teleportation by both Victoria and Karlik, the group had everything they needed and crafted a delicious salsa that appeased Puck's temporary madness. And while digging into some delicious tacos, the gang learned of the king's missing sword of spice. The king also told them of a secret route to the closed-off sour court that could be accessed through the bitter wastes, the desolate, dangerous remains of the original one court of the cafeteria. The food court, if you will. Ugh. He instructed them on how to craft a portal, as well as reveal the identity of the mysterious Ronnie, that being the Archfey's niece, and the daughter of Queen Mab. Though due to his missing weapon, he had trouble accessing any specific memories of her himself. However, through a brilliant arcane combination on the part of all three students, Victoria delved into Puck's memories of Ronnie, revealing a troubled child who could never live up to the expectations of her mother Mab, and who always felt there was something more to be found for her outside of the cafeteria. But what stuck out most in these visions Victoria witnessed was the long, fiery red hair of a young girl desperate to break free. And that's where we are now. So Victoria, you have come back out, you, you said those words to Puck, and you are in this tent with uh, your two companions. Uh, you guys have the leftovers of the uh, the taco meal in kind of a bowl with Cecil with a, a bit of the bittering in a little vial ready to add to it whenever you guys are ready to create this portal. So she's sitting there, tears, just like she's wiping them away, but she kind of can't stop them. I don't know if this changes things. Um, but I know who Ronnie is. Okay. Who? She's going to cast Disguise Self and turn into the oldest version of Ronnie that she saw in Puck's memories. Okay. You guys see, um, that this sort of shimmering arcane mist, uh, falls over Victoria's face. And as you see it, you actually notice that it doesn't look like a whole lot of her facial features change. The The face is like a little bit narrower, a bit of a sharper chin. The ears are ever so slightly more elongated. Um, and Victoria's usually blonde hair slowly becomes this fiery red that you guys immediately recognize to be that of the hands. Uh, um, oh, okay. So this is all just a big plot? From the hand to to do what? Take over take over the courts? I Here's what I saw. And Victoria will relay all of the memories, all of the things said, all of the instances, all of the glances, the looks, any minute and minor detail that brings any fraction of humanity to all of the individuals that she saw in the memories to just display the full spectrum of this issue. I don't like it. I don't like it. Me neither. But. But you are feeling sympathetic towards the situation? 
I mean, I don't like what the hand has done to us or anyone else. I don't like what she's done to Ratness. I fault the hand for everything she's done, but I don't fault Ronnie for everything she went through. But they're one and the same. Yeah, those those are the same thing, Victoria. She was a kid just like us once. She made choices. She had things impact her. And I mean, look at the relationship she had with her mom. Sure, yeah, but like Ted Bundy had a screwed up childhood too. We don't make that okay. I'm not saying what the hand has done is okay. I'm not justifying any of the hand's choices. I'm just saying that she was Ronnie once and she was a kid and she's probably working from a large place of hurt, a huge misunderstanding, and a lot of really poor choices. Okay, so we put a dollar in the therapy jar and we continue on our task list. What do we do? We can't just go talk to Mab and try to talk her off an edge of having a fucked up relationship with her daughter when her daughter's come in here and taken everything from everyone. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm confused. Cecil? Growing up, I was told that forgiveness was the greatest power. And then I came here, got a taste of what actual power is. This doesn't change a thing. Let's push on. We need to make this portal and go speak to Queen Mab as quickly as we can. Brian goes in for a high five. Uh, I just, that that was just it was really well said. It was really succinct and and you like you fought through the emotional. You really wanted to like punctuate that with a high five. Like, is there? I just it, I agreed with it. Was there something else I should have done? I I just might not have been the best. You know, like reading the vibe of the situation. I okay. I've never been known for reading vibes ever in my life. Um. It's just I, it was it was a gesture of support. Okay, cool. Portal time. <laughs> yeah, you guys finish up this discussion and you gather around this bowl. And Puck, who's also kind of been listening off to the side, looks at you guys and he says, "I can't really say what the correct choice is going to be, but I know I can't leave my court right now. And so, unfortunately, this is going to fall on your shoulders. And I'm sorry that it has to, but I." like to think that the four of you will come to the right conclusion, whatever that might be. Before you do go, I do need to warn you, as I said, the Bitter Wastes are pretty treacherous, pretty messed up. It's a land that's plagued by failure and mistakes, and um, if you're not careful, they might catch up to you. So just keep a clear head, keep an open eye. Look for anything green, and um, try your best not to stay in there too long. All right, how do we make this portal? <laughs> uh, oh, well, actually, he pulls out, he like uh, goes behind the corner and pulls out like a trash can. He goes, oh, yeah, so you just kind of dump all the food in here, uh, and then, you know, if you, uh, if you drop in the bittering as well, we can just kind of shake it all up, and uh, <laughs> you'll, uh, you'll have a little trash shoot. Uh, great, yeah, let's, uh, yeah, I'm going to start picking up food and dumping it in. Cool. You guys all chip in and uh, waste some food. Cecil, you drop the little bit of bittering that you collected off of the clothes uh, into the trash can, and you immediately hear this inside the trash can as the bittering starts to spread throughout all of the food, and it starts to kind of contort and twist. And as the lid closes, it starts to shake. And you hear this this hum of arcane energy as with a final, the lid slowly creaks open and you guys see coming from the top 
kind of just like a musty air. You see like sizable like dust particles oh. that start to float up from it. We're going to the upside down. <laughs> and as you peek in, you see a gray mass uh, of swirling energy inside the trash can. Uh, I'm going to take my staff and look at the others. We still have a job to do. And I'm going to jump in. I look at Victoria. You, you going? Of course I'm going. All right. I jump in after Cecil. Carlick looks at Victoria and just gives a kind of a weary thumbs up and um, slides into the trash can. Victoria stands there for a second and she goes up to Puck and she hugs him. I don't know what I can do to bring your niece back. I can't promise you that we will, but I really hope we can. I really hope you can too. And she just kind of like pats him on the face, says thanks, and falls backwards into the trash can. All right. You fall back in, and similar to when you first stepped into the pantry, your eyes close and your sense of vision gets blurry and your sense of gravity starts to feel off, feels like up is down, left is right, and you all feel your feet hit solid ground as you look up and you see a seemingly never-ending land of grayscale before you. Cracked, withered trees rising up from the ground at all kinds of crazy, odd angles, looking like broken bones. The ground itself looks parched for water. Far off in the distance, you see like the occasional chasm, and the sky above is a constant just rolling of dark, dark clouds. Uh, with the occasional rumbling of something that doesn't even sound quite like thunder behind it. And you guys, as you look at each other, the four of you are the only source of color right now. And you also, again, see these large dust particles kind of floating throughout the air around you guys. It's dope as heck, Riley. Thank you. Terrifying, but dope. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Really scary. Yeah. The best things always are. As soon as I pop out, I'm going to take a look around and see if there is any other sign of life, any other sign of movement. Um, I want to see if there's a clear path. And then I also want to try and get a good idea of like how much cover there is or or if we're just like in open ground. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Give me a, uh, let's say, perception or nature check. Um, We'll say perception. That's not bad. That's a 14. Uh, yeah, you look out and there's not a whole lot of cover, but you do also see that when you kind of squint your eyes, it looks like the land in the distance every now and then seems to shift a little bit. And it's kind of hard for you to gauge distance here. Um, and that's kind of what you can tell. Okay. I'm going to take my staff, hold it against the ground, and I'm going to cast Pass Without a Trace from the staff. I can cast it at will. Yeah, you cast this and one of the leaves on your staff kind of drifts to the ground and as it does, it spreads out a multitude of arcane leaves around you that seem to settle at your feet and it you feel like your your steps are quieted. Riley, you said that there was this sort of sound of distant thunder, but wasn't quite thunder. Yeah, in the way that just you hear a kind of a rumbling from the clouds. You would think 
oh, it's it's coming from the clouds, there's thunder, but there's something about it that just doesn't quite sound like that. Just in the way of like, this is unknown and this is really unsettling. Is it a constant or is it still sort of varied? Actually, give me a perception check. 18. Okay, yeah. With an 18, you listen really closely and it almost sounds like the hum of like an oven, but like amplified a hundred times and just constantly overhead. I'm going to pick a direction and I'm just going to start walking. Ooh, that's how we want to do this? Yeah, uh, let's try and keep things let's try and keep things quiet. Cool. Cecil, you you pick a direction and you start moving. Uh, first, everyone give me a stealth check. You do have Pass Without Trace, so you you can add a plus 10 to whatever you roll. 24. 26. 28. Well done. Karlik rolled a dirty 20 himself. Actually, as you look, the arcane leaves that fell from the staff seem to kind of move with you and soften your steps. And as you walk, uh, Cecil, you are leading the way. Uh, give me a survival check. Awesome. Can I also pull out my khaki bag of tricks and get a little companion while we're going along? Sure. Okay. It's been a while since uh, since Gandalf the goat has made an appearance. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, he's back, baby. Yeah, there's this goat. He's got these, uh, appropriately, he's got these just like crazy wild long horns long gray beard long gray beard uh, yep. yeah uh very dark gray coat yeah so he's gonna show up i'm gonna i'm gonna ride gandalf uh <laughs> like a motorbike uh, <laughs> like a motorbike <sighs> only you can make a goat revving noise it's what i do my friend and it sounds and it sounds perfect <laughs> How long does Pass Without a Trace work? Uh, Pass Without a Trace, I believe, lasts an hour. Uh, okay, yes, I also it have does. it too, so if we need it for a second hour, I... I get to cast it at will and not expend a spell slot. Whatever. Well, yeah, I, I have a one use a day. I, I have nothing, in case anyone was <laughs> curious. Carl looks at Brian, yeah, I got nothing too, man. Uh, I mean, helpless. don't worry, we're, yeah. we're in this together. We are passengers in this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cecil, as you guys traverse uh, the wastes, give me uh, a survival check. Okay. That's a nat one. Oh, but you're next to Karlik. But I am next you to Karlik. You are next to Karlik. Hey, you want to watch me roll a nat 20 right here? It's going <laughs> to happen. You probably will. No, you probably not. will. No, I won't, but it's going to be a, a 19. 19. Okay. Uh, yeah, you guys make your way along the wastes, uh, passing by some of these crooked broken trees um, and over the cracked ground and you feel kind of a sensation similar to when you guys were in the salty court and like you kind of walked along that road uh, and you like take a few steps and all of a sudden you're like whoa I'm now like a hundred feet ahead again just this this sense that direction and distance kind of don't mean the same thing here and you walk you feel like you are making progress and you are moving quick enough and efficiently enough that um, you guys are kind of maintaining your stamina and you aren't really too tired by the trekking yet. Do I notice anything while while we're walking along? Do I notice anything that gives me any indication that there's something else here? Like any... Uh... Give me a perception check. Okay. Well, that's a natural 20. Um, wow. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, uh, you are walking and you you're keeping your eyes peeled. Like, signs of life-wise, you do see there are a couple of, like, what appeared to almost once be flowers, but are just 
decaying and molding on the ground that were once maybe those like those popcorn flowers that you saw in the salty court or the sweet court um but they seem to be this this bastardization of the two like it started out growing as one thing but then half of it started to try and split off and do the other but then the other side like almost fought back and started to eat away at itself um, you see kind of things similar to that. Again, you look at the, you look at the trees and it looked like they were once living and vibrant, but have long since decayed. And the cracking and odd angles that they are shaped at seem to be unnatural. It doesn't seem to be like that was the way they grew. Um, and as you're walking, you hear this. And right out of the corner of your eye you see movement and you turn to look but there's nothing there I don't like it 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 so as you guys continue forward um, we continue we don't Victoria- look for the source of movement and sound if Cecil if you pass this on you guys all take a second to stop and you you look in the immediate vicinity but you don't see really anything I cast see invisibility Ooh. Okay. You cast the invisibility, but you also don't say anything. You guys see Brian get these kind of like arcane glasses that appear on his face. And Brian, you can tell that like you could probably see things that aren't there, but right now you you don't see anything. Well, I'm, I'm going to keep them on for an hour. That's a good look, Brian. Thanks, Victoria. Do you normally wear glasses? Victoria, we've 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 been together for a while. I mean, you know, some people just don't like to wear them because they don't like how it looks, or maybe they wear contacts instead. So, well, now contacts take way too much effort. I don't trust having to poke my own eyes out every morning, and frankly, I've really never cared much about looks. God bless America. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Riley, can Victoria try something? Sure. Can she try to find a flower plant of sorts? That looks a little less mangled, maybe something a little more independent, or are they all that like hybrid? Give me an investigation check. It's a natural twenty for a twenty-three. I what is wow. wrong with you people? You guys are insane. Yeah, you look around again. You don't see one that resembles anything living. You do see one that appears to be not completely decayed. Okay, um, but certainly not alive. She's gonna cup her hands around it and she's going to try to cast healing word and see what that does to it. Ooh, okay. Uh, you cast this. You speak these words and for a second you see the slightest twitch of movement in a petal and then you see it appear to like violently reject the magic. This bittering just oh. squeezes out of it. And just dissolves on the ground. But we can cast spells. It's just that if we're casting anything that affects the surroundings, it rejects it. Okay. Uh, Victoria, uh, give me a survival check. Great. Okay. Well, I'm glad I'm standing next to Carlic. Oh my god. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? Back and forth. Here we go. You guys ever leave Carlic? You're going to die. Yeah. That's a lovely little nine. Oh, okay. You're continuing on, and it's hard work trekking here. It almost feels like your strength is kind of being sapped 
as you walk. Like this land of death and decay and bitterness oh. just kind of eats away at yourself. Oh, thank you. And you guys make your way to like a tall cliff face and you kind of scale your way up, but it is pretty, pardon the pun, bitter work. <sighs> and as you guys travel, everybody make me a constitution saving throw. Oh, I don't like it. Uh, for the record, Gandalf has a wonderful time hopping up the rocks. Of course, absolutely. He's he's doing great. Yeah. And I will say, Karlik rolled, he rolled a nat one and then a nat 20 because um, he's uh. lucky. So that's the I don't know I... what, oh, this is insane. Yeah. Whatever we will. 19. 9. 13. Okay. Brian, you are not used to long treks like this. You're not used to ex- like strenuous physical activity, especially with a magical land kind of sucking away at your power. Uh, and you kind of slip at one point as you're climbing the rock face and kind of skin your knee and you make your way up. You're still, you're still good. You're still on your feet. Uh, but you have suffered a level of exhaustion. <gasps> Brian, are you okay? Uh, Brian really scraped up his knee. You should take a look at it. It's uh, not. It's not like it's not like really scraped up, but you can look at it. I mean, it. it is bleeding, but like. I mean, yeah, but it's not like it's. You know, you could look at it. That's okay. Uh, yeah, let's, let's let's take a breather. Who could look at it? Me or Cecil? Uh, yeah. See <sighs> if Cecil can look at it. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> mm, sure. Yeah. Uh, V, just keep your shotgun up. Keep yeah. It she. She. Keep, so they all kind of like. Uh, very so, sorry, Brian, we're gonna have to put you down. <laughs> yeah, I really thought that's where that was going. <laughs> Carl pulls out his knife. Carl, sorry, Brian, we're gonna have to cut it off, man. It's very uh, uh, fellowship stopping for camp for a moment. Yeah, they take the packs off. She's gonna take her shotgun off. She's gonna go sit several feet away from the group and get a little bit more of an vantage point. What do your eyes see? <laughs> uh, as you do that, uh, Victoria, make me a perception check. Oh, thank God, Carlic. That's a dirty 20. Jesus Christ. You guys are insane. Yeah, as you sit up there and kind of survey the land, you have a bit of a bit of a vantage point now that you've reached like the the cliff face was like it was maybe like a 10-foot climb up uh, with some footholds, but you have a bit of a better vantage point. And again, you can see kind of these cracked trees. You can see the ground kind of shifting and rumbling. You kind of squint and you see a shape dart between one tree to another off in the distance. And you kind of rub your eyes and take another look. And there's, but you don't, you don't see anything anymore. And maybe like Brian, you're, you're getting a bit tired as well. Um, but Cecil, as you in, inspect Brian, um, you do definitely get the sense that like, it's kind of a flesh wound, but you feel Brian like breathing pretty heavily and you see like sweat building on his forehead and you can tell that he is he's pretty tired right now <sighs> okay um I mean, Brian do you feel like you can go on for a little bit longer I I just feel like we're kind of out in the open and we don't really have a good spot to stop and that's no, fine it's fine we're fine it's fine I'm fine <laughs> okay I'm gonna I'm gonna uh if I yeah well I mean I can't really amend uh, an exhaustion point but I'll Great restoration? Lesser restoration? Can't it, do that? It doesn't help with exhaustion. Oh, crap. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. It's fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, if I can, I would like to try and just make sure that there's no infection on the area. Yeah, give me a medicine check. Uh, That's not great. That's an 11. 
uh, suddenly Brian does not trust what, what <laughs> Cecil's doing, um, so I, I'd like to do a medicine check on myself. Cecil pulls out the dirtiest rag. You just gotta rub the dirt in. <laughs> yeah. Mainly I want to make sure that there's no gray stuff. Yeah, you keep an eye out and you see, yeah, there's no, it's not like there's any bittering that has infected it or anything. It's just a scrape on a, on a rock, pretty like a pretty nasty one, but you, again, not that hard of a check to just kind of clean a wound. Uh, and you kind of pull out an extra rag. You, it's clean. You pull out some stuff in your alchemist kit, whip up a little antiseptic, and tie it around. And Brian, you're you're feeling a little bit better. You're still you do still do have a point of exhaustion, and because of that, uh, you'll have disadvantage on all ability checks until you recover. Brian, you stay in the middle of our group. Uh, v, how do you feel about leading for a little bit? She's several feet off. She's like, yeah, I'm good over her shoulder. And while that interaction was going on. She's going to, like, pull her bag around to her front. Hey, can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you all right. Now's not, like, the best time, but can we talk later? Oh, we can talk anytime. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll talk to you later. And, like, she v. zips the bag. Yeah, I'm good to go. I can lead. Okay, okay. Um, I'll take the back. Okay. Carla, if you want to go in right after Brian, I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep a watch. Uh, yeah, 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 sounds good. Back here. Um... Gandalf, do you mind heading up front with with V? No, Maybe. I'm good. I can I can walk. If anyone should be on Gandalf, it should be Brian. No, I mean you don't have to ride Gandalf. He's just gonna be up there keeping uh, company. Oh, yeah. oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> he, he, he's actually a pretty good conversationalist. <laughs> yeah. Sure. You guys uh, continue on. You reach. Not forested, but like a bit more of a like a foliage heavy air. Yeah, um, with just a lot of twisty brambles and um, that kind of nasty moldy leaves as you kind of cut your way through. When when we were still at a higher vantage point, was V able to look in the directions and find a potential cave? Uh, not from where you could see. Oh, no. okay, okay. Not not from your, at least not from like. The direction you were going again was kind of going into this heavy, heavily wooded area. We should probably um, find a place to to camp for. Yeah, we should for at least a little bit. Yeah, but we got to keep in mind time because I think if we sleep again, the hand might. <sighs> I just don't know how much time we have. Okay, we can press on. Victoria, give me a survival check. A nine. Okay, he hasn't gotten to do a whole lot, so I'll say I'll say Carlic kind of notices you struggling, notices your paranoia a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so he I th- he'll he'll give you the help action for this one. <laughs> if he gives me the help action and I roll a nat one, can I re-roll a nat yes. one? Oh my god! Oh, you got to be joking! Eleven. Eleven. Okay, this thicket, this foliage is pretty dense. Um, v just walks into like a branch like three yeah. times. It's the yeah, same just branch. Constantly just <laughs> She's tall girl. <laughs> You're starting to dip down a bit more and the, the ground is getting a little bit more muddy. And there are times when you kind of lose your footing and you see this, this squelching as your boots kind of walk through uh, and you cut your way through these thickets, but they are starting to kind of just cut at us. Flesh wound. Yeah. Just give yeah. like little tiny cuts and such. Uh, and as you, start to near the end of these thickets uh everybody give me another constitution saving throw um please remember everybody gets a plus two to saving throws oh that is correct um 24 
19. 17. Okay, the thicket is dense and the thorns are sharp, but you guys manage to make your way through this foliage and um, keep in, in high spirits physically and mentally and make your way out to the other side. And as you do, you come across this deep, large pond, still black water, roughly 100 feet across, diameter-wise. And cutting through the middle of this pond is um, a, a pathway. Uh, it's like maybe... No. It's pretty... It's not like a tightrope walk. No. It's like... No. It's like this, a, is, this has Kazakh Doom written all over it. I'm good. It's like a 10-foot wide pathway or so, but you're kind of on like a plateau at the moment. Um, How far we're, across? We're surrounded by like branches and thorns and stuff, right? Are there rocks near us? Um, Not that you can really... I mean, like there's a few kind of pebbles, pebbles. on the ground. Okay, I'm gonna, How uh, throw the a pebble. diameter... Wait, 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 wait. She's gonna like the diameter is a hundred the diameter is a hundred feet. She's gonna grab your hand. Wait, 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 wait. I mean What? Listen, I I okay, so listen, I know you have a personal vendetta against any of Tolkien's work, but um I, I just feel like if you're gonna throw a rock into this disgusting little pond here, it might disturb something in it and might wake it up. Yeah, but don't we wanna wake it up before we get on it? No, we wanna be quiet as fuck and we need to get across. If my dark vision specifies that I can see in shades of gray up to 60 feet, can I tell anything in the water? Does that help me at all? No, because that's water and not, it's not just the absence of light, it's the presence of water. I want, you yeah, know. I thought so. I thought it was worth a shot. I appreciate the effort. The presence of water. It's a good book title. It's my band name. <laughs> but wait, what if the water is like a good magical? What if it's like, we can throw one of these plants in it and see if it does anything to a life no, form. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, what if we drank it? You want to just go from zero to a hundred real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just posing a hypothesis. I'm not saying do you it. You won't let me throw a rock in it, but you no, want to because- test the water by <laughs> drinking it. I could just go lit and try it. You know what? I think she should. <laughs> uh, guys. What? This is easy. I've got controlled water. What? You do? This is easy. I could I could Cecil. just I could just I could just Moses this shit. Have you done it before? There's already a path right there. It's technically already Moses did, but you could like push it further? Yeah, 100%. And that's not going to wake anything up that's inside of it? Well, if it does, I can do that and I can push it away. Boy. Ugh. Well, it's a better idea than drinking it. <laughs> it's the only water around. It may be the only water we're going to get. It may be decent. It might be like the LSD fish and do something really cool. I wouldn't even lick that. Mm, true. Um, I'll lead the way. Yes. Cecil, you lead the way. I'm going to walk at the back with Brian, put the goat and Carlic behind you, because if anything does pop up, I can grab Brian and I can dimension Doris across. That, that's a real good get out of jail free card. Unless there are, like, four wizards standing there who counterspell it, but, you know. That is the one thing that would maybe preclude that from happening, but yeah, if we all stick together, I don't see how this water can even touch us. I will not let it. Okay, since you can do that, can we still just throw a rock in it and just see? When when we get across, you can throw a rock in it. (laughs) When we get to the other side and we're already 60 feet away... And I will take a sip. 
tried. I, I I get the satisfaction of chucking big rocks into water. I mean, no, it's, oh, it's yeah. just like, like if we're really gonna wake something but, up and we already can control the water, I don't know why we wouldn't just like wake, wake it up and then up. push it no, away. Let's wake something up once we get on the other end and can fucking run. Don't wake it up before fine, we have fine. to get across. Fine, but I think that I should go in the middle of the group. Hold up. What's your walking speed? Uh, 30. Okay. Gandalf has a 40-foot walking speed, so riding him Oh, put Brian on his back. Yeah. You can't ride a goat. Is he a giant goat, or is he a normal No, he's, he's just a, a regular goat. goat. Oh, we can't ride a goat. I don't see why not. Carla could ride him. Carla could ride the goat. <laughs> Carla could ride a goat. I could ride the goat. <laughs> Look, look, look. If the Battle of Five Armies can do it, so can Carlin. <laughs> Carlin is already astride Gandalf. Amazing. Perfect. Uh, the the layers of Lord of the Rings parallels here are through the so room. So many. Um, yes. And how far, how far? How, how how big how wide is this pathway it's like a it's like 10 foot 10 wide. it's like 10 feet wide okay, easy yeah i'll i'll take the lead gandalf's gonna go right behind me with carlic on top yep then brian because brian is still gimp leg over there hey and i'm taking up the rear so i can grab brian and yeet us out of here okay hang on one second sure. what? brian sits on the ground and pulls a piece of paper out of his backpack and um scribbles more things onto the venn diagram about um <laughs> Lord of the Rings. <laughs> there you go. Um, I'm going to double tap one more time just to make sure the pass without a trace is all the way up. Yep. And then as quietly as we can, guys. Let's go. Okay. All right. You guys all start slowly making your way across. And on your right side, you can see your reflections in the water as you walk. Don't follow the lights. In the water, your reflections all come up as grayscale. You make it about halfway across, and everyone make me a wisdom saving throw. Fuck. That's easy. That's you, easy. You have plus two, and you have advantage on wisdom saving throw as well. What? Do, do I have that as well? Yeah, if you're within 10 feet of me. Let's go. If it's intelligence or wisdom, okay. you have advantage. I'll use that first one. That's awesome. Okay. That's a lot better. I got a 19. 19! 27. 27. Fuck. I'm very wise. Okay. You guys all cross, and as you look at your reflections, you each see the other people's reflections fade away, and you each see something different. Victoria, you look into your reflection in the water. After a few seconds, you see it fade away, and your view almost seems to dive into the water. You see an image of yourself. This was about a year ago. You see yourself sitting in a little cafe. You know this is a memory of yours. And you're sitting there, and your foot is kind of tapping. You seem a little bit nervous, because you are there to meet somebody. You have come across someone online recently, a bit of a pen pal of yours. Um, You met on one of the websites that you frequent and struck up a friendship of sorts, this girl named Tanya. You've been talking for about a month now, and you've over this time sort of developed some feelings. A few days ago, Tanya suggested that you should meet up. 
She's in the same town as you are, just goes to a different school district, but it's pretty close by. You were a little nervous, but you decided, yeah, yeah, let's meet up. She suggested you come to this cafe. So you're sitting here at this table. You're looking around. You have a latte in front of you that you're kind of nursing. About 10 minutes goes by. Another 20 minutes goes by. 30 minutes goes by from the time that you decided and agreed to meet up. You look around and don't really see anyone that fits the pictures that she sent to you of herself. And so you think, okay, well, I guess I got stood up, or maybe maybe she got cold feet. It hurts, but you kind of understand. So you finish off your latte, and you go to stand and walk out. And as you do, you see some people you know that are sitting at a table nearby. Kind of your friend group from school. The sort of circle that you run around in. Specifically, you see... Brett Michaels, a guy who's been quote-unquote friends with you, but really has been kind of pestering you and bothering you lately, really trying to get your attention and has been wanting to go out with you for a while, but you've constantly just brushed him off, turned him down, because he's kind of a dick. And you also see uh, Jacqueline DeMont, sort of your sidekick in the circle you run in. They stand and make their way over to you. And Jacqueline goes, Oh my god, Victoria! I didn't expect to run into you here. Hi, yeah, no, I just, um, I thought I'd come grab some coffee. Oh, really? Brett chimes in. Yeah. Yeah, they they do have pretty good coffee here, but kind of looked like you were waiting for somebody. Were you, like, planning to meet anybody here? No, I was kind of just hanging out. I mean, it's nice views, you know, and just didn't have much else to do with my Saturday, so. You sure you weren't waiting for Tanya? How do you... What do you... What do you mean? You see this sick grin on Brett's face as Jacqueline pipes up. Yeah, I feel like... I feel like you'd plan to meet Tanya here today. She pulls out her phone and shows you a screen of your messages with Tanya. That's really, really fucked up. You know, I always felt like something was, like, kind of off with you. There was something that didn't quite click. You're gay, aren't you? I don't know what you're talking about. Are you sure? Because you seemed pretty sure when you were talking to Tanya. Well, I'm not the perverted one who texted someone and catfished them. Yeah, I would have to agree with you though, Jacqueline, because like she's been brushing me off for like months now, like this entire year. I keep trying to ask her to go out, but she keeps turning me down. I feel like she just, just not quite her type, you know? And you see like five or six more of your group that are there with them that all kind of have their arms crossed and are sort of whispering and snickering to each other as they watch this interaction. God, you're so fucking fake. Why don't you just admit it? Yeah, okay. What if I was? You can't even be confident in who you are. Whatever. I'm getting out of here. Fuck you guys. As you turn and leave, you see this group kind of turn back to each other. Just like a bubbling mass 
of almost like it's almost like mob fever a group that reaches critical mass of ganging up on someone seeing someone in a weakened state and all just piling on you come home kind of gathering yourself in the living room and your mom comes home she goes hey victoria how was your day it was good how was yours well i got some big news oh hightower fitness was just invited to a big summit in uh, in Japan, actually. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Congrats. Thanks. Thank you so much. Um, when would you be leaving? Well, that's, that's kind of the tough thing. It's going to be for a couple of months, and I'm going to have to leave in August, right before the school year starts. Now, I know it's a little bit late notice. I know it's July right now. I know it's in the middle of summer, but I don't want to like, I, you know, I don't want to take your senior year away from you. So if you feel like, you know, you're an adult, you can handle yourself. If you feel like you can, you can stay here or if you'd rather, uh, you know, you can, you can go and stay with Pap in Texas. Oh. I know Texas is not really your vibe, <laughs> but you know, if you'd like. Well, I, I mean, like, yeah, I, I guess I just wouldn't want to be in the house alone. And like, I don't want you to feel like I need to be babysat, but um, maybe Paps needs some company. I. I mean, if it's just for a little while, I'm I'm okay with that. It's just just senior year, you know. It's I can study abroad. <laughs> not not abroad. Um, yeah, that's fine. I'll go stay with Paps. Are you sure? This is a pretty big decision to make. I mean, I don't want you to just. It's fine. I can handle it. It's all good. I want to go. Okay, if you're sure. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, pulls out her phone as she's getting a call. She's, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, honey. I, I gotta take it, this. It's all good. And she pulls out the phone and walks into the next room as you, in this moment, decided, for lack of a better term, to run away. You, at this point in your life, encountered this hardship. You knew the bullying and the experience that your senior year would be with these people at your school. And so you chose to leave. But this was not the first time you'd run away from your problems. And it certainly wasn't the last. Of course, it was unfair of them to treat you like that. You'd never admitted that truth to yourself. But instead of owning it and growing into it, you ran away. All you did at that time was take the same fake two-faced persona you wanted to maintain and brought it to Texas. And you've been trying to keep it up ever since. Cecil. As you view the reflection, you see Brian and Carlick and Victoria fade from your view. And you see a scene that you also remember. It's freshman year. Your parents have you sat down in your living room at home. And they're kind of giving you a stern talking to you hear your dad say, I, Cecil, I don't understand how you broke into the school's database to change grades for other kids. Why would you do that? You're smarter than this. Uh, Cecil's not going to say anything. He's just going to sit there. The scene goes on as your parents are just flabbergasted at this, this turn of events. And the scene shifts again. You see... An evening that you, with some of your 
friends that you had recently changed grades for are sneaking into a school. It's not Summerfield Central. It's a different school. It's a nearby rival school. And you guys sneak into the halls and you have markers and spray paint and various things to vandalize the place. You see all of you just going to town on like a one hallway in particular in this school. You're spraying all kinds of pictures and random phrases and such all across lockers. Some of the guys have brought bats and are like denting some locker doors. Then you see in the reflection down the hall a light. Hey, 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 you stop right there. And you see a security guard round the corner and start to chase after you guys. You guys all start to make a mad dash for it. And as you guys climb out of a window, you're like the second to last person out. And one of the guys behind you climbs out as well. You hit the ground and manage to keep your center of gravity and kind of roll out of it. But this guy kind of trips as he crawls out of the window. And he lands pretty badly. And he is crumpled on the ground he looks up at you dude Cecil get help help me up help me up dude um where's the rest of the group can that they're running they are booking it across the parking lot uh Cecil what the fuck dude he's gonna he's gonna be here any second fucking help me up dude I go kneel by him um and I put his arm on my neck and I'm just gonna try and start dragging him yeah you try and move. Uh, give me a flat roll. Uh, this will be a strength check. I can take a picture of it if you want. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> you're just, With your natural you're 20, you continue running, <laughs> making your way across the parking lot. You're nearing the truck that, your friend, that you and your friends rode here in. You're like maybe 10 feet away, and the guy who you're supporting... His ankle gives out, and he falls down to the ground once more and, like, scrapes his knee bad. Shit, hey man, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I think I might have something in my backpack. Hold on, hold on. You start to unzip it, and you see that the security guard is, like, booking it across the parking lot. What do you do? What did you do? Sorry, man. Man, my parents are gonna kill me if they find me. You know the rules. I. <laughs> you hear the horn honking behind you in the truck as the engine turns. Don't snitch. This doesn't change anything. Sorry. And I'm going to hop in the bed of the truck. You clamber into the bed of the truck and you and your friends drive off as the other one is left behind. And days later, you're sitting at the breakfast table with your parents I can't believe one of our students would go in and vandalize a school like that. It's really a shame. Maybe because you tried to help. Maybe because he knew not to snitch. You got off scot-free. And your reflection fades. Brian, as you look into the reflection, the water shifts and you see another time in your life also during freshman year. You finished your first day of school, actually. You make it home a little early. It was an okay day, you know. 
Nothing big happened. You kept your head down. You did your work. It was fine. But you do know that it was also Jenny's first day of school. So you think, oh, we can chat about it. We can, like, sit down and we can talk about our, our days and it'll be great. You head to the kitchen. You start kind of preparing a little snack for the two of you guys. One of Jenny's favorites. And all of a sudden you hear the door crash open. And you hear sobbing as Jenny storms into the kitchen. Tears just, like, streaming down her face. And you see that the bangs that she usually has are completely uneven. One half of the bangs were just apparently snipped off. Brian, I just... I don't know why I was on... I was on the bus, and the, this this boy was bullying me, and he was making fun of me, and so I... I... I tried to say something. I tried to, I don't know, stand up for myself. And then the next thing I knew, he he pulled out a pair of scissors and he he cut my hair. And now I look horrible. I look awful, Brian. I don't know. I don't know why he would do that, but I just. So it's it's, it's okay. No, it's not. Are you? Have you seen me? Look at look at this. It's okay. I look terrible. Just, just what cause, am I supposed to do about this? Oh just, my god. Just because it's uneven? Oh, it just, it's so bad. And I okay. just, so much happened. And I don't know what to do about it. And I just wish it hadn't happened. We can fix it. We can fix it. We can fix? What? What do you mean? I, I, I look around. Um, I look around the kitchen. And I, I grab the, the pair of the kitchen scissors. What? What do you... Why it, are you grabbing? It's okay. What? It's okay. It's okay. Just, just hold still. We'll make it. We'll make it even again, and then hold the still. whole problem will go away. What? No, no. What? What are you talking about? It, it'll make sense. You just have to. It's fine. It's fine. Just, just hold. What? Just hold still. No, Brian. No. What? It's okay. What is wrong with you? It, it's gonna. She be... like physically pushes you away, as tears just well in her eyes. She goes, Cut off even more. Why would? How would that fix any of this? That's. I just don't I'll just I'll figure it out on my own and she turns and walks out of the kitchen as you are left holding these kitchen shears in your hand and a a half prepared snack plate on the counter and your vision comes back as you guys have now made it to the other side of this lake. And you see Karlik also is kind of rattled. But luckily for all of you, you all rolled well enough on your wisdom saving throws to not suffer any mechanical effects. Just emotional drama. Trauma. Sorry. You know, it is what it is. We should have thrown a rock at it. As we get across... Victoria picks up a handful of gravel and just chucks it at the surface. Splashes across. A few ripples go throughout the water, but other than that, nothing. Great. So we solved that question. No monster in the lake. And we made it across. Great. Yay. Is anyone hurt? Is anyone... How's your knee, Brian? 
It's fine. Let's go. As you've made it to the other side, you do see a bit of a, maybe not a full cave, but kind of an outcropping of rock and a covering. She's going to point that out and head that direction. You guys slowly but surely hobble your way over to this cave and you kind of peek inside and it's pretty dark. You're not quite sure how far it goes. Everyone make me a perception check. 11. 21. 26. Okay. Victoria and Brian, you guys, in the moment of stillness, you hear a... You hear the sound of steps coming from further in the cave. And you hear a voice. Can I help you? Brian holds his breath. Victoria just holds her finger up to her mouth. Oh, I can already see you, young lady. You hear the steps grow closer. That's far enough. I don't think it is. You guys see this wizened face. This long, crooked nose. This hobbling. This ever so slowly... Steps across the ground. But as it approaches, you see it's not just this cronish looking woman. There's lumps and body parts and no, limbs attached no, to her no, back no, as this mass no. of ruined recipes and creatures Take your Elden, decaying Elden and rotting bullshit out of here. are all She's gonna like hold out her hand and try to defuse the situation before it becomes a situation. Oh, girl, it's already a situation. No, don't no! make it. Let us talk to her. We don't want to fight her. Let us talk to her. Carlick looks at you guys, and he goes, "Guys, I don't think, I don't think fighting is an option with this thing. This is like unlike anything we've. I think we just gotta run." Brian um, looks at Carlick. And just vomits all over the cage floor. <laughs> oh! This thing slumps over onto the ground and starts to crawl its ah! way towards you. <laughs> I give Cecil Wild Sparkly. Okay. And I am literally dragging Brian with me. Cool. Okay. Okay. So here's how this is going to work. Okay. This mass of thing is crawling its way after I'm you. I'm peeling my nail polish off, man. You're freaking me out. You guys are going to be continually chased by this thing, and it is close behind. For for all of its mass, it is quick, <laughs> and it is it has jagged, sharp I'm movements. Throw up. I don't and like it. At the end of each round, you will naturally take one uh, d eight damage from this thing as it as it <gasps> crawls behind. You will each be encountering various checks that you'll have to pass. If you pass them, the d eight will subtract. If you fail them, there will be an added D8 to each round. Um, So you guys start running. You guys book it out of this cave as this thing (laughs) crawls after you. And as you break out of this undergrowth and this thicket, you feel this rumbling underneath you and a large fissure opens up beneath you. It's not too deep, but it will it will definitely slow you down if you don't avoid it properly. Uh, everybody give me a an athletics check. Oh. 
So sorry. Eight. It's an 11. 15. Actually, Brian, you need to make it at disadvantage because you are still exhausted. Motherfucker. 10. Unfortunately, you guys all fail this as the fissure rocks underneath you. You kind of slide down into the fissure and you hit it. You hit the ground, kind of stumble a little bit. You lose a little bit of pace, but uh, you continue running and this thing skitters down underneath you. Um, I will say you are all using, you're having to use your dash action to move. Um, If anyone would like to do anything like a bonus action or if you'd like to try and cast a spell, someone else would have to carry you so that you could be moving. But if you would like to, you could possibly try that, I will say. Uh, But as this thing crawls after you, multiple like hooks and claws reach out and try to grab at all of you and you all take 11 damage. Uh, What type of damage is this? Uh, Slashing. Okay. Um, I am going to command Gandalf to make a charge attack at this thing. Okay. As I'm going to bonus action turn into a warhorse. Okay. Like the split second before I do, I'm going to look at Brian. Hop on, buddy. Okay. Uh, Yeah, you command Gandalf to turn and charge as you shape into a warhorse and Brian climbs atop your back. As you are shifting, you see Gandalf charge into this thing and it just shreds him apart just completely eviscerates him as he runs into it like a maw opens up and just chomps down and you see rows and rows of of teeth and sharp edges just crunch his bones Uh jokes on you it's a fake goat (laughs) you just got jurassic parked bitch I want to go home. (laughs) We're approaching the second round. If anyone would like to try and do anything bonus action wise or Brian, as you were writing Cecil, you could try and cast a spell. I am bonus casting healing word on myself. Okay. Brian, would you like to do anything? I I don't. uh, ah! You don't have to. I don't think I can. You're riding the horse. I know, but literally anything that I could use that would be beneficial is from my staff. And I have one charge left. And once it's gone, it's gone. Don't, 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 don't. Okay, so you guys continue to run. I will say, Cecil, since you are carrying Brian at a faster pace, I will say that Brian's checks will be with advantage. And so since he is exhausted, he will make he will make checks uh, at just a just flat a roll flat now. Roll. Okay. Um, because you are getting a little bit ahead and giving a little bit more time to think. And as you run, you come across a cliff face that is surrounded with trees. The tree branches seem solid enough, but there are a multitude of trees that stretch up into a high foliage that you can't quite see the end of. As you guys approach, everyone give me an investigation or nature check to figure out which one of these trees reaches the top of the cliff. 13. 16. 21. Um, wait. Actually, yeah. No, it would be Cecil making the check, not Brian, because he is the one running so brian your check um is moot uh which is good for you because uh cecil you and your horse form your your eyes narrow and you manage to see basically you're thinking like like what branches will support my weight at this point and you just trust your instinct and start to gallop up and it's almost like a row of like steps going up the cliff face of these trees. Uh, Victoria, you notice the same as does Karlik, and you guys all manage to put a little bit of distance between you guys, so you guys will each only take 1d8 of damage this round. Can I try and do the the Skyrim horse glitch? (laughs) (laughs) You guys make your way up the trees as you hear foliage crashing behind you as this thing hooks into the stone and claws its way through 
and you guys each take seven damage as it manages to snag you as you are running. Would anybody like to do anything with this third round before we make the check? I would like to cast Bless. Okay, great. Uh, so you are, I'm assuming, blessing Victoria, Cecil, and Karlik? Correct. So yeah, you guys run... The landscape starts to, it is like rapidly changing as you are running. You are running in like different locales and environments. And you make your way up to the top of the cliff face and continue to run as this thing (laughs) crawls after you. The ground is like pocketed and indented and you see bubbling tar almost. And as the bubbles pop, you hear like whispers of insecurities and embarrassing facts about yourselves. Um, and everybody make me a charisma saving throw. Uh, except for Brian, because you are writing Cecil right now. And add a D4. 26. 26! 26! Wow! Uh, yeah, and Carlick rolled a uh, 19, I believe. So yeah, you guys managed to kind of block it out and continue pressing forward. And you guys will, again, only take one D8. Uh, as that is the lowest it can go, as this thing still with jagged, unnatural speed continues to crawl its way after you. And everybody takes six damage that round. I take damage too? Uh, yes. I'm still a horse. Cool. <laughs> we Yay. love to see it. Really proud of you, bud. I could use some heals. Otherwise, I'm oh, going to oh, not be a horse. I got you. Okay. I got you. I got you. Yeah, I would like to cast um, Cure Wounds. Uh, no, I would not. No, I don't. I don't want to do that. Instead, um, I will say you do have your paladin lay on hands. Yeah, that's what literally what I was like. I don't want to do that. I'm going to lay on hands. Flex your thighs. <laughs> How much do you need? Uh, I'm at three hit points. Okay, cool. <gasps> I have a max of nineteen. Great. I'm going to give you sixteen. Okay, I'm back to full. Nice. Okay. Well, he's back to full. Um, so I'm going to healing words myself again. Okay. So you continue running and the landscape starts to dip down and you start to head into like a series of tunnels and you start to come to forks in the tunnels and multiple paths. Uh, And everybody give me a perception or survival check to decide which leads the proper way. Okay, before we do this, uh, could I summon my my hawk spirit to them? Is that a bonus action? It is a bonus action. Yes, you can. All right, I'm going to do that and summon my hawk so you get advantage on this perception check. Very good, very good. Danielle, again, you are riding, so you don't need to worry about it. <laughs> I like the horse. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 19. 23. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, Karlik rolled a little bit too low, and so there was one point where you were running that he like had a split-second decision and started to go one way, but then saw you guys all moving and had to track back Catch a little up. bit. So yeah. he's he will take uh, 2d8 this round. Ooh, he takes 16 damage. How's he looking? He's... Not looking great, but you guys all will take only one damage as just the the slightest hint of a hook kind of slashes at you. And as you guys continue running, you make your way out of the tunnels. Uh, Karlik is going to use his last spell slot and cast Healing Word on himself. Cool. I'm going to cast Healing Word. (laughs) Okay. That's five points. You're casting it on him and he's casting it on himself both? Yes, I'm casting it on him. Um, he's looking much hardier now. I'm going to give it a shot. I have a feeling this thing is powerful enough to pass this throw, but I'm going to cast command and look at this gnarly fucking thing and just say halt. Okay. It rolled a seven. So I will say you guys will each this last check as it halts for like a, for like six seconds or so, you guys will each make this last check at advantage. 
um, as you gain just a little bit of time on it. Nice! And as you make your way out of these tunnels, you see a thin, rickety bridge crossing over another lake, but of black, bitter sludge. Um, it is no. This is no longer the clear, reflective water that you saw earlier, uh, and everybody needs to make an acrobatics check because you do see on the other side of this bridge a faint green glow. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Does this bridge look like it will hold the weight of an of a big ass war horse? Probably not. Okay, I'm gonna drop my wild shape. Fuck! Now I gotta roll it. Eighteen. Seventeen. Fifteen. 15. All right, Victoria, you just barely passed. Unfortunately, Karlik does not. So Karlik will take 3d8 of damage as oh my he God. lags behind. And he takes 15 damage, but thankfully, because of the healing words, uh, he is still up just barely. And the rest of you take 7 damage as this thing crawls behind you and lashes out. And you start to run across the bridge as it tries to follow. It's... <laughs> makes its way onto the bridge and its weight starts to crack it and you guys are running and as you just are starting to reach the end the bridge is falling behind you and you see this monstrosity fall into the black sludge below as its limbs and its face cracks and melts uh, as it screams this horrendous scream that is echoing in your ears as you approach this slight green glow that you see you guys just dive headfirst through this green glow. You see it in like the knot of a tree on the other side. And it's just like this faint kind of forest emerald green glow. And you reach inside and you feel yourselves all be sucked through as your head spins, your eyes close, and you feel your feet touch solid ground again as the sound of your feet echo throughout what you see to be the halls of some kind of structure. You see braziers with flames lit in them lining the apparent hallway that you were in. This seems to be some kind of natural structure that has been hollowed out for some purpose that you are not quite aware of yet. Victoria casts Produce Flame to give us a little more light. I'm going to walk over to Carlick and I'm going to I'm going to cast Cure Wounds uh, at third level. Oh, fuck. Thanks, man. Oh, I need that. How is everyone else looking? I'm fine. Brian? Uh, I'm not... Uh, I'm okay. <laughs> What's okay? <laughs> well, just like, as long as we don't meet one of those things again, I should be okay for a minute. I'm going to give you a first level Cure Wounds. Great. I'm going to immediately tap, tap, pass without a trace, uh, and... We're, we're in a dark space. It's kind of dim. Like, like I said, there are, there are torches lining the walls, so you could have a little bit of eyesight. But there's there's color here. The walls are gray, but you as you look closer, you do see hints of color inside, and that this appears to just be stone that is just naturally colored gray. Okay, so I think there's a good chance we're in the court, if not the castle. We might be in the castle. At least we're not outside, which is good. Expect it to be more natural. Should we just continue to walk, or should we stay put, or what? We keep going. Everybody, make a perception check. I was gonna. I was just about to say, my hawk is still around and is gonna perch mm-hmm. my shoulder, so yep. we can make that an advantage. Fourteen. Twenty-two. Eighteen. 
Okay. Victoria and Brian, you hear clicks that sound like footsteps coming down one side of the hall. Mm -mm. And you see a shadow growing against the wall in the torchlight. And you hear... Uh, who's there? Um, it, it, people seeking shelter and help. Um, okay. Victoria, you recognize... This sounds like Ronnie's voice that you heard in the memories. And as the shadow grows closer, you see that it's not Ronnie. This is something that you encountered a while ago in Bummerfield. You see it's a Kenku. Oh. You, this humanoid bird with like a raven-like face um, that you remember are natural impersonators. And this one appears to be speaking with Ronnie's voice. Fucking mocking Jay. Uh, hi. Hello, my name's Victoria. Um, these are my friends. We're hurt and we need help. Oh, that how did how'd you get here? That's We We just we just arrived. We just arrived. Right, but how We're friends of the courts. Friends of the I mean, I'd like to help, obviously. You guys don't seem to be in too good of a shape. I'm gonna kneel down on, on one knee and like get on get on their level. We're here to help. We know things have been difficult in the courts lately, and anything you can do to help us on our way is going to be much appreciated, not just by us, but by everyone else in the courts. Yeah, I mean, I guess I do have to say having someone or like visitors in such a long time, I mean, I kind of have to take this up with the uh, with the big boss. I do kind of have to to let her know what's going on and because again, I haven't gotten visitors in a long time, so I'm I'm gonna have to take it to her if that's okay. The boss is who exactly? Oh, Queen Mab. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, we just okay. want to make sure. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, follow me this way. She turns and starts leading you down the hall, and as you pass other Kenku in the hall, you hear phrases and sentences being spoken, and you can tell. They're not all using Ronnie's voice. Some of them also seem to be using Mab's voice as well. But from what you guys have noticed, this castle is very utilitarian. Nowhere near as lavish or ornate as the other castles that you have been in. And as you listen, you can kind of hear like howling wind outside. The walls are very thick, but you can still almost hear the the thumping of what you can assume to be like thick globes of citric acid against the mountainside. She leads you guys down the halls and eventually to a large stone door that has this green trim around it, and she takes on the voice of Mab. Yes, uh, Queen Mab is right through here. Thank you. Thank you. She gives, like, a knock on the door and kind of bows away, and the doors slowly open in front of you guys, and you see you appear to be now at the top of a mountain. You're not outside, but the surroundings are like large panes of glass, so you can see outside. You see mountain ranges just covered in white, uh, and you see swirls of acid through the air, and you look into this throne room, and there are large stone columns that are supporting the structure, and there's a long green carpet that leads to a few steps 
on the end of the steps is a throne. Again, just a kind of natural, pretty simple looking throne. And in it, you see a beautiful woman. As you look, you do see very slight similarities to the hand. Elegant features, pale skin, very sharp nose, jet black hair that uh, she has kind of cropped to around her shoulder. Um, and she wears a pretty a pretty simple gown um, that is a like a deep forest green. And you see next to her is a dais, and in the dais is a staff that kind of hovers in the air with a a large green crystal on the end of it. Mab looks up as she is kind of lounging in her chair. I don't remember inviting guests into my court. We do apologize. We were not invited, and for that we are sorry, but we were sent. I kneel. Yeah, Victoria does the same thing. Uh, yeah, I'll follow suit. Karlik is also bending the knee. Yeah. Everyone give me an insight check. 21. Ah. Eight. Yeah, mine doesn't even matter. Uh, yeah, Brian <sighs> and Victoria, you guys are struck by the elegant beauty of this woman and the radiating, commanding presence that she has about her. Brian's just distracted by the fact that she's a lot bigger than he expected, and he's <laughs> running over the Romeo and Juliet speech in his head, and he's like, this like, she's supposed to be able to fit in a hazelnut shell. There's nothing about an agate stone. I don't see any agate stones. <laughs> I don't understand. Even with such a low insight check, you guys can at least tell that this is an archfey in her full power. This is an archfey in control of her court. She stands at maybe 10 feet tall. No! Oh my god. But Cecil, you get the sense, you see as you guys kneel, that it's almost like dismissed. Kind of appreciates the gesture, but also really couldn't care less about it. She seems very straight and to the point. You get the sense she is not one to beat around the bush. She is not one that flattery and simple words will sway. Uh, yeah. Picking up on that, I'm gonna pick my staff up, and I'm just gonna march. Not gonna, not in like a kind of a, a confronting way, but I'm just gonna take some steps forward to her. Queen Mab, uh, like my friend said, we have been sent. We've spent some time in the other courts assessing their troubles, and uh, we've come to some startling realizations. That, quite frankly, at this point, it seems like. Only you are able to rectify. Well, I, I'm assuming you're aware of the situation the other courts are in. I do not concern myself with the trivial matters of other courts. Your siblings are hurting. And? They seek help that they don't know how to find. Because they've lost their way. They've lost their weapons. And they are no longer themselves. They are no longer in the height of their power. They are no longer as cognizant as you are. And we know who's caused it. And we need to find a way to help. Well, if you know who's caused it, then why are you coming to me? Because we need your advice and your blessing. Regarding what, exactly? The last we have seen is your brother, Puck. And when we were able to assist Puck in recalling, we believe we have found who the culprit is. At the site of every missing weapon, 
with citric acid from your kingdom. She leans forward in her throne and she says, Are you implying that I had something to do with this? We are not. We are not from the courts. I'm sure you can tell. We have come here to help our friend Karlik return peace to his land. We are from outside of the cafeteria where there is a similar bittering taking place. The pantry is very close to being destroyed. There is a person who has sought its destruction, and we are trying to prevent that. But it is a very personal matter, Your Majesty. Do you have an idea as to who we are speaking of? Give me a persuasion check. <laughs> 25. As you explain this situation, Mab's eyes start to widen slowly and kind of twitch as this slight understanding comes to her. We have spent much time here in the courts and we can come to a fairly singular conclusion, but we do not know what to do. Well, unfortunately for you, I'm not quite sure what to do either. That's okay. I have not seen my daughter in many years. I have not spoken to her. I have not heard of her, heard from her. I have no idea what kind of person she is now. All I can do for you is perhaps bring you back to your plane in hopes that you might be able to face her. As I cannot leave my court, I cannot leave it unattended. Such is the burdens of being a ruler. I do apologize that the mistakes of my past have come to haunt you in your present, but I can do no more than this. I'm going to switch languages for a sec. Bitch! <laughs> I, I'm going to uh, start speaking to her in Sylvan. I can understand Sylvan! How do you know Sylvan? I took it when we built these characters and Riley said it wasn't going to come in handy. Because it's not. You guys don't know other languages. <laughs> you're, not, you're not from here. I know! It's part of my class. Brandon, we talked about this. We said we took away your extra languages because that gave you guys all feats. <laughs> but I've got Speech of the Woods, though. That's a... That's a- Right, but that's just druidic. Yeah. That's like, when does it come in handy, Brandon? When has druidic come in handy for Smoke you? For the trees. Yeah, for flavor. Okay, speak to her in Sylvan or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this is obviously difficult. Would you know of any weaknesses she has? Something that would incapacitate her? Something specific, something personal. Sorry, what did you just say? That all just sounded like gibberish to me. I have no idea what you're saying. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, 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 I start muttering it in druidic. Still, I'm still getting nothing. This is this is making no sense to me. All right, fuck it. How do we... Fuck <laughs> it. How do we confront her? Unfortunately, as I've said, I have not seen her in many years. I'm not exactly sure who she is now. I will say, if she is attempting... To destroy the pantry, there must be some strong ritual that she has discovered or has created. 
well, to make that occur. She has all three of your siblings' powerful weapons, so that's probably how. Well, yes, that would probably play a part. Which would mean that she would try to make an assault on you. It's possible. I have not witnessed anything of that sort. Insight check. Okay. Do I still have advantage with the hawk? <laughs> no, that's only a perception. Oh. The hawk leans over and is like, man, she's sketchy. Yo, she's sketchy. This chick's sketchy as fuck. Oh my she- god! I fucking hate you guys. No! I no, hate you. I rolled a one, and I re-rolled it, because Carlick's standing there, and I rolled another fucking one. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, in that case, I love it. <laughs> yeah, you can't get a beat on her. Queen Mab. Yes. What would you do to get her back? What would you do to get your daughter I don't know if there's anything I can do. I know that the balance of the courts rests upon the leaders leading and staying put. But that doesn't feel very powerful to me, hiding away. I'm not hiding. If I leave my court, everything goes out of balance. I am inextricably linked. If I leave, it all falls apart. Do not speak as if you understand the burdens of rulership. I do not. But I would choose my daughter over my throne. I would choose my own mother over her empire and company and everything that she holds, every penny we own, all the wealth that we have. I would choose her over that. I wish she would give it up for me. Unfortunately, my choice has been made in the creation of this court. No matter how much I might care for someone, I cannot throw away the lives and the good of all for the sake of one. I would make the same choice. Then if we cannot have your direct assistance, your blessing will do. And uh, the direct route out of the courts. I do have the ability and the means to bestow rest upon you without the need for it. If you are as pressed for time as I think you are. That would be great. Then let's do it. Can I run to the restroom really quick? (laughs) Sorry, it's just been a long journey. She nervous pees a lot. Very well. (laughs) Thanks. And she runs into the bathroom. She closes the door and locks it behind her. Um, she's going to pull out little Gus. Hey, um, we're friends, right? We've talked about this a million times. Can you help me? In what way? I know you allow me and help me magnify the magic that I have here, and and you help me do certain things. I don't know if you're able to. I, I don't know how powerful you are, but would you be able to help me do one thing? Depends on what the thing is. Could you help me send a message? What kind of message? A plea. To? The hand. Unfortunately, I don't know her. 
If I have something of hers, does that make it easier? Maybe a little. Um, and she pulls out her little ripped piece of the contract that was Victoria's name. I, I have this. I could give it a shot, but... No guarantees. I know. It'd cost you. Uh, yeah, I, what? What? I can pay. What would you need? Mm, let's just call it a favor in the future and call it even. Yeah, sure. I mean, this is a huge favor. Of course I can do you a favor. Okay. When do you want to send her? <sighs> Old wounds can heal if you take the first step. But I also understand if you know that she doesn't deserve you. You see the puppet scrunch and wiggle on your hand. You feel it, like, move your hand to take the little scrap of paper, and it kind of rubs it between its, its hands, and the scrap of paper starts to dissolve. I don't know if she'll listen, but I think she got it. If one of them listens, we're halfway there. If one of them would make amends and take the first step, then I don't think my friends and I are going to get hurt. And I'm so scared if we face her that something really bad is going to happen. And so they, they just, they have to fix it, right? They have to listen. One of them has to listen. Unfortunately, I'm not that powerful. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and that's okay. We all have our strengths and our limits. And I've been peeing for far too long and they're going to think I'm doing something else. So, thank you, little Gus. Appreciate it. Sure thing. I'll see you on the other side. The puppet gives you a little salute <laughs> as you tuck it away and make your way back into the throne room. As you do, another Kenku enters behind you and it has like three beads uh, on like a little tray. Three or four? Four. Sorry. Uh -huh. <laughs> sorry, Carlick. Yeah, sorry, Carlick, man. You're staying. I'm here too. It enters next to you and you hear it speaking in Ronnie's voice. I, uh, I brought what you asked for. If you all take one of these, it, uh, it should get you, should get you healed up. Whew, great. Uh, that'll be really nice. You each take one of these beads, and as you do, you kind of hear Mab sigh behind you, and she goes, Please, I told you not to use that voice in my presence. We've talked about this many a time. And you hear the Kenku go, Oh, sorry about that, Mother. And it snaps. And <gasps> the beads in your hand all glow. And a bead of force <laughs> expands around each one of you. And you are trapped inside of these beads. The seeming fades away. And you see the hand with her fiery red hair, her striking features, the jewelry around her neck. She looks at each of you. You four have really just been, really just been a pain in my ass for far too long now. But, uh, hopefully this should be the end of it. Good to see you again, Mother. And you see Mab is in shock. The hand slowly walks towards the throne. Can we speak? Can she hear us? Or is it like... A, not on it's the like other side. A, it's, it's ah! like, not on the other side. Victoria is like beating against yeah. this thing, trying to get her attention. 
to the point of like she's screaming and crying, beating against it. Brian sits down. You see her take notice of this, but just observe and keep walking. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna cast dispel magic at fourth level. Um. Oh. <laughs> I found something that said that a bead of force acts like the spell resilient sphere cast at a tenth level. Uh. So you could try and dispel it, but it would be a DC twenty. I have a I have a plus nine to this roll. It's an 18. <sighs> plus 9. <gasps> oh, my oh my god. Okay. Um, yeah, you cast Dispel Magic and the sphere around you fades away. Has she noticed? Is Path Without Trace still up? If it's within an hour. Yeah, he did, because he when we dropped in here, yeah. I did, I, I did double tap. Okay, roll me a stealth check. It's a 26. It's a a 16 plus the 10. She doesn't notice it yet. (gasps) Oh my god. (laughs) Um, She can't hear us within them at all. No. Damn it. I can't even distract her. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pee myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I'm going to cast invisibility on myself. Cool. Uh, Pass without a trace ends. Mm -hmm. And I'm... I'm shaking. I'm shaking. Uh, yeah, same. I'm going to hold an action, uh, and I am going to hold the spell uh, Summon Fey. If the hand makes a move towards the staff, I'm going to summon Sebastian right next to the staff. All right. Yeah, you observe as the hand walks towards Mab. Oh, I know. I was just always just the worst disappointment to you can't imagine how disappointing it must be to find out that your entire kingdom is going to be destroyed by that disappointment but that's just how it is i know i was never the perfect little girl that you wanted never the ruler to take over the kingdom but i found who i am and who i am is the woman that's going to destroy you. And she reaches for the staff. Okay, I'm gonna cast Summon Fey. <laughs> My invisibility drops. Brandon. Sebastian is right there, and I'm gonna immediately instruct him to grab the staff and misty step away. Okay. <laughs> We're all dead. We're gonna die. Cecil's gonna get killed in front of us. <sighs> For the for the record, Brian has not breathed the entire time because he <laughs> still has his invisibility goggles on and has just been watching Cecil do all of this, yeah. <laughs> panicking inside his bubble. Okay, yeah, let's do a dexterity roll off. Okay, uh, <laughs> I don't like it. Okay, mm-hmm. that's a that's a that's an eighteen plus three, so it's a twenty one. She rolled a dirty 20. Plus? No. A dirty 20! Just a dirty 20. <gasps> okay, okay, okay. Sebastian's okay, decks okay, beat okay, her by okay, one. Okay, okay. So, oh uh, so, um, um. Uh, I'm panicking. I'm panicking. Going to, uh, so, mm-hmm. Sebastian's going to misty step on the opposite side of, he's basically going to put Queen Mab in between himself and the hand. Okay. Every round he is going to face step further out of the room. 
Gotcha. <laughs> this happens in like a split second. Sebastian appears and he is all business. He is not his giggly, bubbly self. He knows that this is deep shit. Um, and so he immediately appears and disappears 30 feet away. And the hand turns and sees you no. without your beat of force. And she goes, you cheeky little brat. That's me. I do see that this time you actually did piss your pants like you said you would last time. This isn't going to work. Uh, and she is going to... What's she going to do? What's she going to do? It was nice knowing you, Cecil. Cecil, you have a wild spark leaf. And Brian, you have a wild spark leaf. I'm just going for the punchline at this point. She's going to cast Dominate Person. Oh! Kinky. On Sebastian. And he needs to roll a, I believe it is a wisdom saving throw. Okay. It's a natural 18. She's going to use her lucky ability and force a reroll. Oh, God. That's another natural 18. I can take a picture of it. Okay. The spell fails and uh, Sebastian continues, but she will start to run after him. Uh, so she runs to where he was. Yeah, if we're getting to another round, he's going to bamf another 30 feet. Okay. Um, what is it? What, what else is going on in here? Are, are there any... Nothing. It, it is an empty room except for your three friends that are in these beads and Mab is like catatonic. Mm-hmm. She's catatonic. She's in shock. Cecil, would you like to do anything else? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would like to do something oh. else. Um, he shits his pants. <laughs> I'm going to shit. I'm going to cast dispel magic on another one of the beads, another one of the force beads. Okay, that's a 17 plus nine or 26. Um, I'm going to really, I'm going to release, I'm going to release Victoria. Okay, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay. Victoria, you were released, and the hand uses a legendary action. And she's going to cast Chain Lightning. Oh, oh fuck! Uh, Victoria, Cecil, and Sebastian all need to make a dexterity saving throw. As her hand crackles and her usual calm demeanor is stricken by frustration and annoyance. You just had to force it, didn't you? 17 for myself, and a natural 20 for Sebastian. 15. 15. Okay, Victoria fails. Ah. Sebastian and Cecil pass. Uh, this is 10d8 uh, lightning damage. I'm resistant. You should have freed me. Damn it. Nice knowing you. 34 lightning damage full. I was at 31. Fuck! Victoria falls. Uh, Cecil and Sebastian take half of that. Cecil, you do need to make a constitution or a, co- a concentration saving throw. That's going to fail. Your concentration drops and Sebastian disappears as the staff clatters to the floor. Victoria, that's your turn. Uh, Make me a death saving throw. That's a 12. All right. That's a pass. Uh, Cecil, it's your turn. Um, I'm going to ignore the staff and I'm going to run to Victoria and I'm going to cast a second level cure wounds. Okay. Victoria, you pop back up as Cecil runs to you and the hand strolls past to pick up the staff uh victoria as soon as she pops back up just screams please don't just just stop for a second please she looks at you and gives a very slight smirk pulls out a scroll 
and a gate appears. No. And she steps through it. Veronica! And she disappears with the Staff of Sour. And with that, class is dismissed. So close. That fucking hurts, dude. Hall and Dragons is Andy Dinehart as Victoria Hightower, Danielle Grisco as Brian Tolkien, Brandon Lindsay as Cecil McNamara, and myself, Riley Wesson, as your DM. Thanks so much for listening to this session of D Hall and Dragons. If you enjoyed it, we'd love to see a five-star review from you, and we would love it even more if you would share it with a friend. Our theme music is Sonic Pogo by Vans in Japan. Other music can be found in the episode description. And our artwork is done by the incredibly talented Carlina Alvarez. A link to her stuff is in the description as well. Check it out. You will not regret it. Until next time, it's fall, y'all. Take some time to go outside, you know? Check out the leaves. It's beautiful, at least where I am. Um, And, you know, take some time to appreciate nature before it starts getting all grody and nasty and wintry, you know? Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next session. Let's get started. Uh, before that, let me make sure I can share music with you guys. I knew. Yep, very well done. Yep, and take it home now. Really that. I can't tell if we're behind. <laughs>